I think we really never really thought about, you know, like how we're going to make money. It's just like we thought that we need to write at some point, but we didn't think about specifics. But yeah, at some point later, we started to use this early adopters to understand opportunities to create enterprise value. This is Contributor, a podcast telling the stories behind the best open source projects and the communities that make them. I'm Eric Anderson. We welcome Artyom Kadenev of Cube on the show with us today. Cube is this exciting layer in uh, the modern data stack. What's exciting to me in part is just the reaction from the market. Bunch of GitHub stars, bunch of community. So thanks for joining us today, Artyom. Yeah, Eric, thank you for having me. As we always do, help our listeners understand what Cube is. Yeah, Cube started as an open source project, but I think essentially as a as a product for data engineers to help to expose data to different data applications and different data experiences. What we saw happening in a tech stack is that all the data goes into data warehouses right now and that's just will only will keep going. We'll have more and more data in the data warehouses on one end. But also on the other end, we have more and more data consumers that require different diverse data applications and different data experiences, basically. So we have more data, but we also have a huge demand for this data to be used across different applications. And what Cube does, actually, it creates a bridge between these two worlds. Like It takes data from the data warehouses into all of these different data experiences, data applications. So if you wanted to build customer-facing analytics or internal tools or just use multiple BIs consistently, Cube can bring the data to all of these places and provide access control, security, caching, all of that things. We started as an open source project about three years ago, and it's been a lot of fun to see so many different creative use cases, how people are using Cube. Awesome. I had kind of an aha moment when we talked about the project recently. You know, I think semantic layer doesn't mean a lot to some people, but if you're embedding visualizations in a product, exposing it to customers, the normal access control that comes with data warehouses don't work. And so at a minimum, you kind of need new access control. And also, you know, data warehouses can be expensive. And so if you're running the same queries or they're they're seeing a lot of viewers, you probably want faster queries than what data warehouse is going to give you. You want some caching. That makes sense to me too. And that seems like the right layer. And basically from there, everything else kind of makes sense. You need data modeling in order to construct this thing for outside consumption. So while all the individual pieces kind of make sense, that's where I kind of realized that you're the right place for all these different components. And and they kind of neatly fit together, even though it wasn't obvious to me from the outset. Is that your experience with the market? Or or are people like, oh, I I definitely know what a semantic layer is and I need one? It depends. You know, like uh, some of of our users, they, they come to Coop and they're like, that's a semantic layer, I need semantic layer, Cube is a semantic layer, I wanna use it to power all of my different applications. Sometimes people it's like trying to, having a hard time to find a good name, what is Cube, right? Like, as you said, it does caching, data model, access control, and then has a bunch of APIs and people like trying to find words to describe it. Sometimes we hear words middleware, it sounds a little bit, you know, like old school, but 
maybe you know like it technically it's correct right because we see it in in between the warehouses and applications so but yeah i think it's been interesting to see how you know like people try to use different words to describe cube especially initially i think lately we started and keep hearing more and more semantic layer as a definition of the cube yep perfect now tell us the story this is the part i i most enjoy how did you stumble into this is this something you've been working on for a while more recently and what's the background that led you here yeah, it's all started with uh, with a product called Statsbot, and Statsbot was my like a side project, hobby project uh, at my at my last company. An idea was, what if we get data from different places and to just put it into Slack? Because we used Slack a lot, and I wanted to have all my data in Slack, you know, from production databases, from New Relic, or like. Salesforce, all of this data sort of merged union together and presented in Slack. So we built this Slack application and it was initially only a hobby project, but then it started to grow and, you know, like people started to use it and Slack featured us on the Slack application directory, if you remember the days when they launched it. So got a lot of users in, a lot of people, you know, like were excited about using Statsbot. My co-founder now, he was one of the first users, so he started to use it and then he texted me and uh, had this Ruby on Rails application that was running Statsbot and, you know, like it started to have a lot of outages and I, I just told him, like, can you please help me just to run the servers and, like, managing that? And he, he jumped in and him and I, we, we just kept going and working on that. Um, and then uh, we, we started to see some venture we see people kind of reaching out to us, like wanted to fund that project. And we ended up raising a small seed round for that Statsbot as a project. We raised from ENIAC Ventures, a really great people, the, the VC firm out of New York. And uh, we, we kept going on the, working on this, but over time, what we realized is that we built something very valuable for Statsbot internally, and that was Cube, because we needed the engine that would work on the data from sort of different places and then kind of be able to present this data to different places again, right? Because the architecture we were using, we were like doing ETL of the data from different places, putting into warehouse and then running uh, this cube engine on top of the warehouse and then presenting data to the Slack. But we also had a vision to present data to different places outside Slack too. That's why we built it sort of to scale initially. So when we built cube, we had few users that were like very active Statsbot users. They wanted to dig deeper and to have more controls of the Statsbot and we exposed cube to them. And when they saw that, they were like, can we use that internally to power our applications? And we're like, that sounds like a good use case. And so we started to think about that more and more. And then uh, we had this crazy idea. We were all playing ping pong in the office and like with, with my co-founder, like, what if we open source cube and just like see how people's going to use that? And we just, you know, like started to talk more and more about this idea, you know, like convincing ourselves that maybe we should give it a try. And then we decided to do that. We open sourced Cube. Uh, it was very different from what it is right now. So uh, it was very like early, you know, like not very, you know, like matured and very well packaged, but people started to use it. And uh, maybe like a three, four months after we open sourced, we started to see contributions. We started to see users. Uh, I remember we have this like thing where we, we put a sort of, you know, like a target of 10 
companies that actually will deploy it into production. And that's when we're going to believe that's a real thing. And we were counting these companies. And uh, at some point we were like, yeah, we have 10 companies that actually deployed Cube. And then that was sort of, you know, like a pivotal moment that we realized that probably we need to focus on the Cube full time. And then we kind of changed that. We sunsetted the stats board and then we fully focused on Cube. Artyom, great story. You know, as you're playing ping pong and deciding whether to open source something, do you feel like you need to ask your investors about? I, I suppose it's not really part of the product. It's just like this internal layer that you had built to, to ship the product. What goes into the decision to open source? Is that a lot of work? Yeah. So um, I think when we were playing ping pong, we like it was like when the idea came first and then we started to nurture that idea internally. Like we only had ENIAC is an investor, so we didn't have, you know, like a formal board or something. So, but we we spoke with uh, with a partner from ENIAC, just kind of, you know, like bouncing the idea. So maybe we should just try that, and you know, like, and they were very supportive. And then, you know, like as we we started to think about the strategy, how we would open source it, we decided that we wanted to do it in stages. So that we, I think it took like a three months or so really to fully open source it because we first open sourced one piece and then we open sourced a second and third. And so it was just like a do it because it was really kind of not, not really hard, but it was kind of a lot of work to take it out of the existing product and a package as a standalone thing, right? So it took us some time to, to finally open source it. But I think the first thing we did, we just like, created an organization and a repo and a GitHub to, you know, like to make sure that the name is going to be ours. And then speaking of the name, so you started out with StatsBot. Does Cube harken back to the BI cubes that we're all familiar with? Yeah, it was called CubeJS even. So now we call out, and the reason why we called it CubeJS is actually one of the first users called it this way. Remember I told you about this power users that we started to expose this, you know, like configuration layer. And because we didn't have a name for that, it was like purely internal thing. I think we had some internal name, I don't even remember, but we, it was not called Cube. And uh, one of these users, they asked us something like, hey, how can I do this in Cube.js? And we were like, okay. Like they call it this way, so let's just keep it that. And the reason why they use that probably because like in the data modeling layer for cube, you operate on cubes basically. You create cubes and then you put measures in cubes, you put dimensions in cubes, then you build relationship between cubes and you need to write the code and in a code you call it a cube. And then the code was in JavaScript. Now we support YAML definitions too, but back then it was only JavaScript. So it's kind of, you know, like KubeJS was a very natural way to, to describe that. So that's how the name came. Awesome. So you open source it in parts, it sounds like. And at some point you get all these users and the, uh, GitHub stars in the community. How, how did you get there? What, what was the kind of early successes? Yeah, when uh, when my co-founder and I, we started to work on that, we are both engineers, but we decided that his role is going to be more like talking to existing users who are trying right now Cube just to understand what are the patterns of the usage, you know, like what are the problems they're trying to solve, how they're solving these problems and just kind of changing the product. And then again, talking to them, changing the product, talking to them. And my job was to do like, you know, like, how we get these people in. <laughs> so how people would, would learn about Cube. So what I did is I started to do, do a little bit blocks about, you know, like how you solve specific problem with specific stack, 
you know, like with Cube. And I just started to post it on Reddit, different places, Hacker News, all of that stuff. And that's how the initial things, you know, like kicked off. So we created a Slack instance and uh, idea was that we need to dump fuel every traffic into Slack. So everyone needs to go into Slack. So my co-founder can actually talk to these people. Now, my job was bringing people to Slack. His job was talking to these people. And then the goal of that process was to get to the stand production uh, users eventually. Awesome. Sounds like a, a dynamic duo. And then the 10 users, um, at this point, it's, it's all, you know, you're not, you're not charging them for anything. It's all open source. But, but um, presumably that's on the, the kind of horizon for you as you're trying to figure out, well, if, you know, if we're going to build a business here, how do we do that? And is that a conversation you have with some of your early users? You know, no, not really. Yeah, I think we we kind of always, you know, like thinking about that because we thought that we probably eventually wanted to have a business around that, right? Like a product that we can sell. But especially before we had this 10 users, I think we really never really thought about, you know, like how we're going to make money. It was just like we thought that we need to, right, at some point, but we didn't, we didn't uh, think about specifics. But yeah, at some point later, you know, like once we got more users, after we raised uh, our seed and then Series A, we started to use this early adopters to understand the problems. And I think, you know, like it was mostly not asking them directly, but just observing their journey to the production and then seeing them successful is like what issues they have. They have observability, tracing, debugging issues. Okay, we probably can build tools to help them do this, right? Then they like, they wanted more visibility into cache. We probably can build that as a, you know, like an enterprise feature, like a UI or something for the cache. So we were all like more observing and trying to understand that and like what is the missing features? What is the like challenges to deploy Cube into production? And where like for us opportunities to create enterprise value. You mentioned something at the beginning, and I, I kind of want to transition a bit to understanding more how the product works, that, that you were stitching together a bunch of different data sources into a kind of single visualization. Do I, do I stitch them together into my data warehouse and then bring my data warehouse, now all uniform, one data source to Cube? Or does Cube help me aggregate data as well from different sources? Yeah, um, I don't think about Cube as a federation engine. So uh, we we don't want to try to replace Trino or something. So we can connect to multiple data sources. And uh, we also can, because we, ha we have a caching layer, so we can merge data on the caching layer. So we kind of technically can merge uh, with some restrictions. We can merge data from different data sources on a caching level. But at the same time, I wouldn't think about Cube as a, as a federation engine. And frankly, I believe that warehouses is going to be the major place that organizations going to store data. It may be a couple of them, but I don't think that, you know, like uh, we will deal with hundreds of different data sources. I think ETL products are getting better and many, many companies are using them to basically pull the data into into the data warehouses right now. And I envision Cube sitting on top of data warehouses. Perfect. And then the other half of your kind of the front end of your stack, I guess, is that someone chooses a, a, their own custom data viz layer, right? That's not something you provide. And, and so what, what are the typical things people are doing? And, and I presume that they're even making that choice before they make the choice on you. They pick a UI layer, they pick the data warehouse, and then they realize they need something in between. Right, right. That's a very common story. That's actually the story I was using when I was telling about Cube initially in, in all of these blog posts. I was doing like 
the blog post, now you have Snowflake and you have a React, and how do you actually build application, right? And then it was like about a cube in the middle, obviously. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of our customers, they build from scratch uh, on the visualization side. So they use React as sort of the most popular front-end framework right now. A lot of different libraries, it's a really, you know, like it's really like fragmented market, like for like open source visualizations. There are also high charts, which is not like, it's commercial backed, which is good ones. There is like a Char.js, there is like a D3.js, which is gives you a little bit more low level power. So we see a lot of this. There are like some React specifics like recharts. Some of our customers, they also use out of the box tools on top of Cube, like Superset, Metabase, uh, Observable, and some other notebooks. So that's an option too. But we do see a lot of sort of, you know, like a React or JS style stacks. Now, I guess once you, once you choose your front end, you choose Cube and you got the state warehouse, you kind of have a full stack for, for doing a, a data application. There's other ways of building data apps today, Streamlit or, or those types of tools. Are, are, they, are, they, are they kind of a full stack version of, of what you do or are there reasons to choose one or the other? Yeah, I think Streamlit is a good example. I think it's sweet spot in, you know, you, you can run Streamlit on top of your data warehouse and maybe soon only on Snowflake. I, I don't know how that's going to play out, but uh, I think it's good for this like sort of one pager, simple applications that's probably going to be used by a single persona, single role, because there is not a lot of like a security access control built in. So I think the great good example could be if you wanted to build a simple internal tool, or maybe you're working on some data set and you want to present it into more like a dynamic way rather than just like building slides, right? Or like a static dashboard. That could be probably great choice. But if you wanted to build uh, embedded analytics in customer facing inside your application, maybe you're building a software as a service, right? And you need insights page or like some, you know, like analytics features in the product, the Streamlit could not be a good choice because it's like, how do you embed it? You probably need to make it a part of your front end tech stack, right? And then you need to deal with access control, security, and then you need to bring a caching. So I think, you know, like it's just like a use case uh, wise, it's a little bit different from what we serve in versus what Streamlit. But at the same time, I mean, if you wanted to run Streamlit with superset with Metabase and sort of having a semantic layer that unifies, you know, like a data across all of these tools, you can run them all on Cube. Ah, I see. Okay, so it can, it can be complementary. That's great. So when, when did you feel like, wow, we're really onto something? Um, you know, you, you got through these 10 users, but now you're kind of screaming as far as adoption and, and community goes. Yeah, I think really the first moment we like, we felt that we are onto something was when we got 10 users. So that's when we really, you know, and it was like, I think we had maybe really like 1,000 to maybe 500 people in Slack. But, you know, like you're getting first people in Slack and community and then they need to progress, they need to deploy, they need to build something and then you only get 10 users because it takes time for them, you know. So it uh, it took a little bit of time, maybe like a three, four months once we, we saw the first 10 users and that was great. And I think after that, we started to be more active. We, you know, like just talking about Cube and that it, it led to getting more people on top of the funnel and just like awareness of the Cube, more stars, more Slack communities, and then eventually more uh, production users. But the really the moment, aha moment was this first 10 users. You said your job was to find more users and part of the how you did that was blog posts. Are there other things that you kind of figure out 
oh, this, this is actually the best way to, to find the people we're looking for, the people who most like Cube? Well, we started with, with the COVID, right? And I think we really first open source Cube in 2019 before COVID, but I was doing, you know, like blogging, call of that content, as I said. And then by 2020, when COVID started, that was the question for me, like what I do next, right? And then COVID happened, it was like, I'm, I'm not going to do events probably. So, uh, and so I decided just to keep doing content. And that's when we raised our seed round already. So we, we brought a DevRel who helped me, you know, like to build different cool applications, examples, but we really doubled down on the content and just, you know, like keep focusing that. I, I thought you were going to say that you were doing a bunch of kind of COVID data because I mean, everyone became like a statistician we during COVID. Like we were all, <laughs> we, we were all that, looking yeah. at charts every morning. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was one of those like example cool projects that our DevRel person built. Um, I, it was a little, a little too noisy. I mean, like I think it got some traction, but you know, like everyone was was building them. Right. I feel like I, we all discovered like five different websites every day that were going to give us COVID data. Wonderful. Where and where are you now, Artyom? Tell us. Um, you know, as folks are listening to this interview and they they get excited about Cube, what do they have in store for the next year or so? And what are ways they can get, get involved and contribute? So I think Cube really, you know, like uh, matured over the three years. So it's a, it's a different product now that it was three years ago and we got a lot of contributors. So, and that's really great to have all these new people contributing to Cube and many core features being contributed from external contributors. One, one good example is a GraphQL API. When Cube started, we only had a REST API, but then GraphQL API been contributed, you know, like from the community. Now we maintain it from the core team, of course, because it becomes really important feature, but it, it was contributed initially as a, as a community contribution. We also got a lot of drivers, like connectors to different databases, right? And data sources been contributed by community. So I would say that's that's area, you know, like where we, we, we saw a lot of help and how people got involved. But also our Slack is just like it's it's fun to see how people are helping each other, right? So that's that's been a big contribution area as well in the surface. And now Cube, Cube is an open source. We don't call ourselves KubeJS anymore because we we don't only serve JavaScript community, but we try to serve more like a data engineers community and we support other languages rather than JavaScript for configuration. So, um, yeah, you know, like uh, we have a cloud product, so I definitely would love, you know, like people to try it out if they feel like contributing. Contributions are always welcome and just giving us feedback and, you know, like providing some guidance in the community is that always great. Getting a, a meaningful contribution like the GraphQL API is a real slam dunk. I, is that something where somebody just shows up with a PR one day or, or do they engage with you and ask yeah. you know, what you need and they engage yeah that'd be no we have a, in our slack channel we have a channel for the contributions so it's been a lot of conversations and it, yeah, to be honest it's been like very overdue so on our end we just were focusing on other things many people they wanted GraphQL but you know like one person they just did it so you know like many many <laughs> us, but someone did good congrats on a, an awesome project that's found um, a foothold in the community Hopefully we can uh, watch this grow and then we reconnect here and uh, do a follow-on episode, hear the update. Awesome. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you for having me today. 
You can subscribe to the podcast and check out our community Slack and newsletter at contributor.fyi. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Eric Anderson, and this has been Contributor. Contributor.